I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast supported by Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes made with only two ingredients, 99.9% purified water and a drop of fruit extract. From fertility to birth, pandemic parenting to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood, the insane joy and the anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy weaning months, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2021, including Best Baby Wipes, water wipes are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, making them ideal to protect and gently cleanse sensitive newborn and even premature skin. As the number one wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. This is an episode I couldn't have imagined recording a week ago. As we approach International Women's Day, we honour the women, the mothers of Ukraine, whose hearts are breaking. There is no easy way to discuss war, And so this episode comes with a strong content warning. Tatiana Marischko has lived in Ireland for the last 20 years, making this her family's home. But in this episode, we talk about her homeland, Ukraine, which at the time of recording is on day seven of the military invasion. We talk about her Ukraine, its heritage and talent and beauty and life. We talk about the moment she learned that the war had begun. We talk about the support that she has received from people in Ireland, strangers on the street, and those who have donated so generously earlier this week to her appeals, as she coordinated cargo planes full of essential items to depart to Poland and onwards. And as we see the war unfold, we see the footage of the newborns, of children, of families. And we talk about the resounding courage and strength and resilience and roar of her country and the hearts of the mothers of Ukraine. Tatiana, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast. As I was just explaining to you, the whole point of this podcast is to share those incredibly powerful and incredibly unique experiences of how We go through life as mothers, as women, raising our babies, raising our children in a world that we wish was safe, that looked after us and looked after them. This has been an extraordinary week for the world, but no more so than for the Ukrainian mothers. And I am incredibly grateful that you are joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me, Sinead. Tell me about your home. God, how long have we got? <laughs> it is, it's, it is such a beautiful country. It is so vast. It is filled with talent and history and it's so full to the brim with talent and it's so beautiful there's 
so many beautiful little cities and villages and towns because kind of when you tell people about Ukraine I think the first thing they think of is the high-rise buildings that are very grey and of the sky that is very grey and everything is grey and it's kind of the communist way the communist Ukraine but Ukraine is so much more than that it is just the most beautiful and diverse and unique country you know in the way that um no city looks like another city and so it you know I have always even before the war has started I have always tried to show Ukraine in the way that I see it so people can experience Ukraine through the my eyes um so it is beautiful it is beautiful beautiful country and it is so full of with talent so and heritage and and heritage and culture and the traditions and the one of my favorite things about ukraine is how unique our traditions are because they stem from um pagan roots and then there's christianity and they intertwine so tightly that it's almost impossible impossible to say where one you know starts and one ends and I think that's beautiful like we celebrate Christmas twice we celebrate New Year's twice like who does that Ukrainians you know and I we have kind of a series of very unique celebrations that are I've never seen anything like that in anywhere around the world so I really would love, you know, everybody to see that Ukraine and not how, you know, it is portrayed now. I understand the need for it, but, you know, Ukraine is so much more than just, you know, what you see on screens, especially now. And that's why I wanted to start with that question, because what we see today is not what was there seven days ago. A colourful, vibrant, alive, joyful world. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's not only just the churches and the fields, but the cities that are full with, you know, architect, beautiful architecture and, you know, trendy cafes and, you know, and really, you know, just full to the brim with beauty, really. When were you last there? Um, it was um, a very whirlwind um, visit when my niece was born two two years ago, almost two and a half years ago. And I flew in for two nights um, to be at her christening. Um, and that was the last time I saw all of my family. And then COVID hit and then, um, you know, it was impossible to travel. And when there was possible to travel, it was, you know, too risky to travel because a lot of our relatives are now elderly and I just couldn't, you know, bestow that risk upon them just just for the, you know, I just wanted to travel when I felt safe and right. And, well, I, I don't know when... It will happen next. 
I think something very powerful happened because of the pandemic. I think for the first time in a lot of people's lives, we had fear and danger at our door that we never had to think of before. There was something out there that could harm us or that could harm the people we loved. And we, we bunkered down and we stayed inside and we followed every safety protocol we could to protect ourselves and to protect everybody else. We lived with threat, health, serious threat to our health and to some people's lives that we've never had to think of before for a lot of people's lives. And then we thought the threat was gone. Yeah. The threat had lifted. Yeah, and life was very slowly starting to return to normal. And I think in a way, COVID um, kind of gave a lot of people a blueprint for understanding the feeling of what a lot of Ukrainians are feeling right now. They're, like with COVID, um, the war in Ukraine, there's no blueprint for how you feel. There's no blueprint for how things will go, how things will escalate, how there's no trajectory for, you know, for war. There's no, well, there's a bit of a trajectory for war, but it's still, it's such an unfamiliar feeling um, for our generation that we just don't know how to navigate that and to live with that threat in constantly, you know, 24 hours a day. And even, you know, for people who the war hasn't impacted directly, they still feel that threat because it's it's the, the unknown of it, the, the not understanding of it. Like with COVID, we, we, we knew so little about it and we could predict so little of it. And I think it's happening over again in a way that we just don't know what we wake up to in the morning. And that's terrifying. It is paralyzing fear. There's one big difference though. Nobody chose COVID. That's true. And to think that this is people. It is a new dimension to feel like that threat can be generated, chosen, deliberate. And again, I think for a generation of us that have been so very, very lucky to not have to see a war in Europe on this scale. It's so alarming, but this is not the first experience for you or for your country? No, sadly not. I think a lot of us um, have carried that intergenerational trauma up till this day. Um, And do we live that? Yeah, I remember my grandmother always said, you can live through everything but the war. And I just thought to her, to myself and and I always thought granny what are you talking about there will Mm -hmm. never be war again and she was like 
the work is the scariest thing you can live through. And she lived through that. And living through that experience now, I understand what she meant then. I don't think I ever understood the ex- kind of the complexity of what she was saying beforehand. What I do now, um, and that sounds, you know, I feel so guilty for saying it because I am here, I am safe. You know, my son is tucked in in bed safely. You know, I have electricity, I have food. I, I, I don't feel, you know, immediate threat to my life. I cannot, I cannot imagine what the people putting their children to bed in bomb shelters, what they feel. You know, I don't know what it's like to pack, you know, your bag and not knowing whether you will ever have a place to return to. And yeah, I I just, I just, I'm so heartbroken. And yet I feel so guilty that I'm not doing enough, that I'm not, you know, that I'm not helping enough, that I'm not being proactive enough. And there's apparently, there's a thing called survival, survival, survival guilt, I think. And when I read that, you know, kind of the, the things that a person experiences when experiencing survival guilt I'm kind of like check 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 but yeah you're right you know the complexity of this and the terror of this is just a level we've never had to we've never had to live through in our life did you really think ever it would come to this reality? <sighs> yes and no. I remember I posted a post on my Instagram page, which I have reshared just, I think, last week. And I think it was either March or April about um, the threat of war because every publication, every front page was talking about the amassment of troops on Ukrainian border. And you just think they're not there for fun and games. You know, there's a reason they're there. There's a reason the quantity of those people um, increases daily. There's, you know, something is happening, something is brewing. And as much as you kind of anticipate that and as much as you can prepare yourself for it and plan, you never really allow yourself to think that this would come to fruition. Because like that, it's just, it's unimaginable. But there was always part of me believing that there was something that you know, because of that amassment at Ukrainian borders, I kind of, there was always that kind of something at the back of every Ukrainian mind, every Ukrainian's mind, thinking that sort of, you know, low level 
threat and low level anxiety that something is happening but yeah I don't think I I ever thought that it would and then I remember being gaslit so many times when everybody was like that would never happen oh my god what are you talking about it's crazy it's absolutely crazy no that would never happen and until it happened and and now we, we're living this new reality that you know nobody can believe we are living through how did you feel last thursday morning when you woke up um you know they say um you will remember like everybody remembers how they found out um how say princess diana was killed and you know i think everybody will remember how they found out about this and it was i think five o'clock in the morning when the phone rang and you know when you suddenly kind of stand up in like sit up straight and you know that phone call is not going to be good news you just know you know intuitively instinctively I don't know but you just know and I knew something was happening and my husband picked up it was his brother and he said we're being bombed and I just I just froze even though there were signs, you know, there were signs before that everybody was kind of talking about it. And I remember the news was circulating kind of um, an advice for, for mothers. (laughs) Sorry. put a sign on children's clothes with their blood type and it just it broke my heart so as much as I you know willed myself not to believe that to be the reality I stayed up that night till about three o'clock you know, kind of watching the aftermath of um, Putin's announcement and his address to the Russian nation, because I kind of felt something will happen. And then when I went to bed and woke up, terrified, absolutely terrified. And Thursday was, I just felt so frozen. I, I just sat on my phone just watching everything, you know, uh, escalate in front of your eyes. And it kind of brought a lot of memories of 2014, 2013 and 2014 events, because I remember Marco was only newborn when these um, events were were taking place. And I remember I would, you know, spend nights nursing him um and watching the news and I always happen to watch these things in real time because they were always happening at night and I felt like that my first couple of months of motherhood were 
completely spoiled and I know that sounds ridiculous because people were dying but I feel like that level of stress that you always had at the back of your mind I felt I felt that kind of stress the first few hours on Thursday kind of thinking okay so you know um okay they fired a bomb okay all they're doing is um, you know, I really, really wanted to believe Russia, what they were saying, that they were just destroying the military bases. I knew that they were never to be trusted, ever. But, you know, you just kind of find that strength in yourself and think, but maybe, maybe you just, if you just believe in miracle, maybe it will happen. But it or, didn't. or humanity, you're looking for humanity, you're assuming there'll be some humanity. Absolutely, yeah. And especially, you know, now that when um, everybody is reaching out with, you know, offers of help and dinners on your doorstep and things like that. And when now we're um, accepting donations and the kindness of people and the sincerity, the empathy and you just make it makes you think how can this level of compassion and you know kindness and empathy coexist with that level of cruelty at the same time you just think it's it's unimaginable how can it be in the same world it, it yeah it's just like it it, it doesn't have it doesn't have the right to it's like it's just it's too it's too wrong so the first couple of hours I kind of I, I I willed myself to believe in miracle and then I thought you know what we'll we'll join the protest because it's the least we can do and I just thought you know maybe being um, around people will make me feel better but it didn't it kind of made me feel a lot worse because um I think meeting other people and standing outside um, Leinster House kind of confirmed that all of this is not a dream. This is the reality now. And it just kind of hit me then. Um, and I don't think I've slept since. I, you know, I've maybe slept about six hours in the last six days or seven days, whatever day it is today. It's seventh day today. I know with the seventh day of war, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what date it is. Um, everything is just a bit of a blur. How have you tried to talk to your son about everything that he's obviously kind of, things are filtering in from everything around him? So as much as we avoid talking about um you know, war kind of explicitly and there is, you know, he feels that there's some, some things off and um, we don't watch news when he's around. Um, he, so I sat down with him and I just said, you know, there are people in Ukraine that are very scared at the moment because there's a threat from other country 
and that's kind of you know where we left it at because I I don't think there is ever a good age to learn about war or the cruelty of war but I certainly don't think eight years of age is is ever the right way age um so we have been as kind of as vague as possible and um not to go into the politics of it and not to go into naming the countries um although he came back from school today and he told me what country ukraine are facing the threat from and those are eight-year-olds and they are talking about it because it wasn't from the teachers, you know, it's, and I, you just think, how are we living in the world where eight-year-olds are discussing wars? It, it's just, it, it just doesn't compute by any, you know, measure of normality or anything. And I understand, you know, and Ukraine isn't the only country um, torn by war and that goes, you know, when I say about this, I mean that no country mm-hmm. should ever suffer this. No, you know, we're living in 21st century. How how are we still resolving conflicts by, you know, through the means of warfare and lethal weapons and possibly nuclear weapons? It's It just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not something that you can comprehend even you know since the 1991 when ukraine gained um its independence for the second time (laughs) um we've never you know we never meant to to go and conquer other countries you know we wanted to protect what was our own and in 30 years of um, Ukrainian independence, um, it has chosen democratic ways. I mean, although very, you know, emergent when it talk when it comes to democracy, it's still very volatile. But we're learning. You know, 30 years for country is newborn days in kind of global sense. So we are learning. And we have shown to the world that we we will choose freedom over and over again. You know, when in 2004, Ukrainians weren't happy with presidential elections, they took to the streets and they they said, we want a recount. You know, we don't trust these elections. Therefore, they said, we want we want we want democracy in this country. they stood up again in 2014 when they weren't happy with political decisions being made for Ukraine on behalf of Ukrainian people. They rose up and they went to towns and again, they fought for that freedom of um, exercising their political choice and you know their, their decisions that that that's what they want. And I know Ukraine um, is kind of dubbed difficult in a way because it's 
us versus them. It's, you know, it's West versus East and that we are too different. And we, you know, we kind of almost rallied up against each other. But I think if anything, um, the run up to the war has really crystallized an identity for every Ukrainian, whether it's Russian speaking or Ukrainian speaking, whether from East or West. I think it has really made everybody really decide for themselves which side. That identity has been shown to the world this week, that that strength, that determination, that resilience, that we have fought to get here. You, you spoke at the beginning about that generational trauma and the stories that your grandmother would have said. Do you think those that are fighting now to hold on, that are, that are standing up and showing that courage and that bravery and that determination and that resilience, do you think part of that is being fueled by the generational trauma of everything that your country has lived through to date? 100%. Absolutely. I think this is kind of our roar because we have been we have been saying it for so long. We have been shouting. I think it's the roar of Ukraine saying, get the fuck. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. edit that out. No, 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 get that's staying in. <laughs> the fuck out. You know, I don't know what Putin's end game is because Ukrainians will never, has never surrendered to the politics. You know, we've been colonized by Russian 1920s. We have been um, through the genocide of Holodomor. And I think a lot of um, parallels can be drawn between Ireland and Ukraine. We've been through the Holodomor, which is a hunger genocide. Um, we didn't surrender then, you know, we, we've been through so much up until, you know, the 1970, every pro-Russian um, stance would have you sent to prison all up to the 1970. We, we, we did put up with it and finally we, you know, we broke free. So it's kind of to say to the world, we will never surrender. We are our own country we are our own entity with our own unique history and no matter how many times you know Putin will say that we are brothers and it's all the same country it is not you know it is not I understand we share a lot of similarities not the least because we have been colonized by Russia and so much of Ukrainian history has been erased and destroyed and belittled by by Russia um, and finally we are standing in our feet we're learning to walk and I think as I said I think this is Ukrainians roar to say we will stand to our last breath 
you said how you've been spending so much time on your phone, which is completely natural. I think we, I think, firstly as a culture, that's a distraction from stress. But then also, even I find I'm refreshing to find out that it's over. You know, I'm refreshing for that news that I don't know what miracle I'm expecting, but I'm refreshing to find that headline. Do you feel? That this war being played out in the palm of our hands has been like a positive or a curse. In one way, you know, you can you can have that live information, you can feel connected to what's going on, you're not sitting and wondering, and but then on the other hand, you're living it, you're experiencing it. And you're consumed by it. And you're consumed by it. Even, you know, even if you're living in a country that is safe and you have no connections to Ukraine, I feel all my friends are consumed by it. But I also think that wars in 20th centuries, they're not about warfare and lethal weapons and the size of the military. They're cyber and hybrid wars. And I think whether we like it or not, we are all fighting this war in ways what we choose to consume, what we choose to share, the petitions we choose to cite, and you know how we talk about these things. And I think partly this war has been fueled by, and you know, in a way, social media has been such a powerful tool in spreading the misinformation and enabling and enforcing and reinforcing propaganda. Um, And I remember reading your report um, that um, misinformation spreads faster than the factual information. And it's too easy to kind of get yourself into an echo chamber and not hear other opinions. And I think that has contributed to to this war because like with Trump and, you know, a lot of other things that have been, where we said that would never happen and then it did. I think social media had such a mm, pivotal role to play. And I feel like that with the war in Ukraine because as I said, I think we are all fighting this war. And what we, as I said, what we choose to consume and what we choose to share, um, how we talk about it and where we read the information and where we donate the money, it all contributes to one side or the other. One of the things that has, I think, been so powerful this time in terms of how we are um, experiencing and witnessing this, is those real human moments when you realise that life is going on amongst the war. I feel like we often have just consumed war when it came to the war correspondent. The trauma porn, isn't it? Yeah. This is, this is the newborns. 
in hospital. This is the little girls with their masks because they're scared of COVID. This is the family in train stations with bottles of water and backpacks trying to keep their pets safe. It's shown us that everything that I'm worried about and going through as a woman, as an adult, as a parent, getting food into my baby, getting my children asleep as safe at night, knowing friends that are due babies soon and going into hospitals and feeling like I'm concerned for them because it's a big event for them. And it's all still happening. Everything that's happening in our society, in our lives, is still happening. But now it is happening amongst the war. And I think that, certainly for me in my feed, it's, it's like, I see their eyes. Absolutely, yes. I saw a post that you wrote. It was eight weeks ago. I just, your words are beautiful. Your photography is beautiful. You, you, such talent. It was Pandemic Chronicles of 2021. And it was, I've yet to find the words to sum up 2021. A year of found and lost hopes, of highs and lows, of victories and defeats. A year of longing for normality, for people, for things, for feelings. Sometimes more is said in the unsaid. So instead of words, here's a tapestry woven of photography, moments captured in all of life's glory and all of its trials and tribulations. Tapestry woven of juxtapositions of hope and hopelessness, of victory and defeat, of anger and sadness, of pain and triumph, of loss and of love, of fear and of contentment, of beauty and mundanity. Whatever 2021 has been to you, I hope 2022 is a whole lot better. Eight weeks ago. A whole time ago. And yet it feels like it's just been yesterday. You know I hope it ends. I think everybody does. I don't think there's there's a human being on this planet that wants this to go on. I hope that your family and the people that you love are safe. I mean, it's just the safety that isn't promised anymore, isn't it? You know, yours. A week, eight weeks ago, you know, there were kind of the threats, the normal threats, you know, that we are kind of wired to understand and we are wired to live with. But that kind of the threat of not having safety anymore, I, it's, it's debilitating. And yesterday, I was talking to my mom and my brother because they're they're all there and up until that day they're all kind of cheerful and joking and I don't mean joking as in you know um about the word but 
clearly they're everybody's processing things differently and they're a mechanism to kind of to keep the spirits up and everything and yesterday I talked to my mom and my brother and I just saw the the change of you know this it, it was just that heaviness that just clung to everybody it was just anyone I talked to it was that air of fear and it was so palpable um it was it was just very different that kind of shift of feeling and understanding um of the world and it was kind of yesterday that it really really hit me that this is you know this is the new reality now that I go to bed very late at night I don't sleep and when I do I wake up gasping for air because I reach to the phone just to see where we are at this moment I wake up in the morning I text my brother and my mom if they're still alive and how the fuck is this the new reality how on earth is this the new norm and not yesterday but the day before yesterday my husband said it's kind of it's kind of quiet today in Ukraine you know it's I think it's you know it's it's a little bit less easy oh sorry a little bit less intense and I said is it though or are we just getting used to that now and he was like do you know what you're probably right we just we've adapted to the new baseline so and that's terrifying because it's almost like if we believe that we are defeated then and we cannot be defeated we will never be defeated we will stand to the last soul on that ground because it's ours it's you know it belongs to us and it's no one to take thank you for speaking with me tonight thank you thank you for sharing everything that you have been this week thank you for doing everything that you can do you are doing everything you can do and yet i feel like i'm not doing enough and I'm so glad that you have a support system here. And I hope you feel that Ireland and the people that you have made a home with for the last 20 years here have shown you nothing but love and support. I have been overwhelmed by the support and the kindness and empathy of strangers. I, I wear a little ribbon of Ukrainian flag and I was walking today and stranger stopped me and said, are you Ukrainian? And I said, yes, I am. And she just hugged me and she said nothing. And, you know, that hug was just... There was no words needed. And... Absolutely everywhere I go, everyone I talk to, the support has been immeasurable. 
And, you know, I'm so happy that I have chosen Ireland to be my home. And, it's you know, not just now, but I have always felt so grateful and so included and so just so happy to be to be felt to feel like this is home and it's because of the people that have made that possible they continue to thank you thank you Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest, Tatiana at Javaholic and the Boy on Instagram. <laughs>